Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Edition. Do it live. Ben Byram producing uh, the show with, uh, I will say, a heavy assist. The Stockton to his Malone. The Harden to his Durant. The great uh, PJ Squirrelbot himself. Ryan Winter is uh, coming. Who's really doing all the heavy lifting? Are you chilly? Yeah, it's pretty cold I'm in cold. here. I'm cold. <laughs> Yeah, like it's 90 degrees outside. It's a freezer up in here. Look, some of us have had to go out and slave away in these conditions today. And uh, some of us behind a nice... Uh, well, I've, I mean, I've been desk. out and about. I just don't sit in an office all day. I mean, I go out and about. I, I know. I saw on. that today. I saw that nice big truck you were rolling around in. Oh, yeah. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm living it up right now. You are. You are. You're kind of like, uh, is this Flo Rida? Is this Flo Rida? It's Flo Rida. Yeah. We're hoping of, he makes a comeback. You're kind of like Flo Rida. That's what I we li- need right about I like now. Fro- I don't mind Flo Rida. It's always positive. Pitbull or Flo Rida? Pitbull. Come on now. Don't really? even ask that. Yes. No, no, no. Pitbull's always having All a right. good time. Ryan, shut up. No. Ryan, what do you say? What do you say, DJ? I don't, I don't like Pitbull. I okay. feel like So just by is. default, you go with Flo Rida. I, I'm going with Flo Rida. Flo Rida's better. Okay. He's got right. the flow. Let's uh, this is garbage. Let's uh, let's do a poll. Let's do it. Let's do a Twitter poll. I had a t- Who you got? Pitbull. Pitbull or Flo Rida? Pitbull or Pitbull? Flo Rida's irrelevant. He's not even on his level. That's a better song than anything Pitbull's ever put out. No. Yeah. I'm you don't like that? So. Yeah, yeah. You know that's the ultimate party song right there. He did a timber. Yeah. Yeah, he did timber too. I don't. I, oh, Ryan mentioned timber? that. Yeah. I think he's more like a producer. Mm. He was never a good rapper. Why don't you, uh, seriously, do a Twitter poll. See what happens. All right. All right. I mean, look, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm if I'm uh, Karen Lombardi, I'm Karen Lombardi. Because all of these people, they're just hating on Pitbull. They hate people that want to have a good time. Well, that's so. fine. Look, part of when you are watching the World Series and your team's not in it, or part of when you're watching the uh, Super Bowl or the NF, uh, NBA Finals, NHL Final, National Championship game, part of it is if your team's not in it, you find a team to hate. So by default, you cheer for the team you like. Ryan hates Pitbull. All these wisely. haters. All these haters. And so he very wisely has gone with Flo Rida. I like, I like, I'm basing it on one song. I like that Flo Rida song. Pitbull seems annoying and a little bit over. You know what? This song isn't even that good. This song, I bet you Flo Rida, he didn't even write those lyrics. Well, who cares if he did? He performed the hell out of it. Flo Rida sucks. 
Hey, if uh, speaking of performances, uh, huge news here today by our gov. Roy Cooper a little sullen today when he had to make this uh, announcement. But uh, some good news. Governor Wimpy has uh, lifted the curfew. Let's do cut 12 here, Ben. Uh, ooh, there's uh, certain reporters, too, that are on uh, the vast bank of TV screens in here. Not the award-winning Thomas Waybreck, but others. Very unhappy with the fact that uh, the Gov has uh, opened up uh, bars and, and lifted the curfew and allowing people to go to sporting events. But let's start with uh, Governor Cooper's announcement from earlier today uh, where he has lifted the curfew in the state of North Carolina, effective Friday. The only restriction we will lift is the modified stay-at-home order. That means no more curfew starting Friday and more opportunities to gather, shop, and attend events if done safely. <laughs> cut, <laughs> cut 13. Uh, and this is one that uh, a lot of people have asked us about here today. A lot of pirate baseball fans. A lot of high school uh, football fans and parents. And this is the outdoor seating capacity for sporting events that are outside. Uh, this is cut 13, Ben. Additionally, some businesses that were limited to operating outdoors at 30% will still have that percentage, but will no longer have a 100-person cap. That includes outdoor sports fields and venues, stadiums, outdoor bars, outdoor amusement parks, and other outdoor businesses. So 30% capacity, uh, the thinking was that it might be 25%. Lawmakers wanted 40% for uh, high school uh, football. Not sure that that covered uh, things like college baseball and any of the other college sports, lacrosse, softball, anything else that's being played uh, right now. Did he ever mention indoor sporting events? He did, Ben. I'm glad you asked that because Cut 9, the Gov talks about indoor seating capacity. The new order will also allow some indoor businesses to open at 30% capacity with a cap of 250 people. These businesses include bars and taverns, indoor amusement parks, movie theaters, indoor sports arenas, and others. An exception for larger indoor arenas with a capacity of more than 5,000 people will allow up to 15% of their capacity if additional safety protocols are followed. And that means that most college and professional indoor sports, like basketball and hockey, can have fans at 15% capacity with certain conditions. So that's your answer, Ben. 15% of, uh, what is it, 8,000 for Menji's Coliseum, Williams Arena Menji's Coliseum? I can't complain too much because at least we're having fans, but still, I don't know where he's getting these numbers from. Where are these numbers Follow the from? science, Ben. It's political science. Uh, the governor, essentially. Look, I, I just talked right before we went on the air from our sister station, 103.7 and 96.3, Tom Lamprecht and uh, Benny Hardy. And uh, both, uh, I mean, basically, the governor did not does not have enough to stop lawmakers in Raleigh from passing legislation to get kids back in school face-to-face learning, and does not have enough juice and votes from fellow Democrats to when that legislation is passed to veto it. In other words, he doesn't have the veto-proof majority. Governor had that in his uh, first session, uh, or first uh, term, I should say, in office. In this term, he does not have uh, that behind him. And 
that is a lot of the reasons he's struck striking these executive orders. Uh, he, for, I guess men, I guess uh, Clark Leclerc seats five thousand. Is that right? And so that's fifteen hundred that uh, it would be allowed. They would be allowed to let into the games now, based on that thirty percent capacity. Here's another big one. Uh, five nineteen has been uh, really big on. Um, you know they've they've taken the governor to court. Uh, the owner there, Robbie Waldrum, has been really really vocal about the situation that his bar has been put through, that his business, that his livelihood. I mean, look, the average lifespan of a bar is not very long as it is. But, I mean, Waldron's had 519 for years. I mean, you're talking different generations of people have gone through, and that's their home. Ask Dan Gerlach. hey oh, No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Absolutely horrendous. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, but Governor Cooper decides to let uh, bars like 519 and others that have had, like, there's no patio at 519. There's no way. So this is what the governor's going to allow to happen at bars. I just wanted to mention this, even though we've kind of covered the sports ramifications. Uh, this is uh, Governor Cooper on the uh, on the bars. Uh, and uh, places of that ilk as far as indoor capacity now under this executive agreement, which uh, executive order, I should say, which uh, begins on Friday at 5. That is cut 10. It's also important to note here that bars and taverns will be allowed to open indoors for the first time since near the beginning of the pandemic. Capacity indoors is 30 percent. Other safety protocols will be imposed and official officials will enforce this these limits. Like restaurants and other venues, alcohol sales must stop at 11 p.m. So there you go. That is uh, what the governor had to say today. John Gilbert, uh, a little while ago, reacting to this with his own uh, statement uh, as it pertains to ECU athletics. And I think this is an important thing to say, that ECU athletics has got to sort through this now. Now, you know, there's sporting events happening right now. I think softball, lacrosse are happening right now. There's no baseball game at home until next Wednesday. So they will have some time to figure out how they're going to, uh, you know, sort all of that out. And I, you may have people that show up. I, I, you might want to check or have Ryan check, are there any sporting events on campus this weekend? Because that would be, could, could, you know, possibly a trial run. Soccer, lacrosse, or softball, anything like that. But definitely baseball next Wednesday, you would expect, would come close to getting the 1,500 in. Uh, This is John Gilbert's uh, statement in part uh, from uh, today. As we begin the process of welcoming fans back to our athletic facilities, our priority remains to create an atmosphere that is safe for all involved. We will continue to work with the university, local and state health officials who have assisted us through the pandemic. The support of ECU students, season ticket holders, and Pirate Club members are crucial for the success of our athletics department. We will do everything possible to accommodate the needs of our supporters. And uh, he concludes by saying we are eager to have Pirate Nation back. So they are going to have to sort through how this is going to be. I remember when they let football in. Uh, let football have the what? What was it, Ben? 7% of fans into the 50,000? Yeah, that odd, yeah, just out of nowhere crazy. number. So now 
you've got, uh, I, I would think, a situation like that if you're a season ticket holder for baseball and based on priority in, within the Pirate Club, that will probably get you into the games. And, you know, there aren't as many midweek games this year, uh, but there are opportunities to midweek go and, and, you know, people, for example, I think the game next week's at four against Old Dominion. You know, folks will probably do what they can to get out that to that one, especially if the weather's like it is today. But if it is uh, not a great weather day uh, or if somebody can't get off of work, you know, maybe they give their ticket to someone else. I'm sure that's that's kind of happened. And we have did that. We had a couple ticket angels come in and uh, let people use their football tickets during the course of the uh, season, and that worked out uh, really well. Uh, another big thing here, a big announcement as far as high school football. Tomorrow night we're going to have the Rose game at 6 o'clock. We'll be on right up until close to kickoff. We'll send it to Croft Massey and the legendary Ronald Vincent. They'll be on the uh, call of the Rose games this year. Because Pirate Baseball will have a lot of Fridays occupied, uh, you'll listen to those games usually on 97.9, and we'll update you on that throughout the year. But uh, tomorrow, at least, rampant football will be heard on 94.3, the game. The great producer himself, uh, DJ Squirrelbot, will be uh, producing things for you at halftime. Uh, and then we also have a conversation. I talked to Ron Butler today, Pitt County School Athletic Director. The reason the game's being played tomorrow because of the looming uh, threat of rain on Friday night, so the high schools, as they are apt to do in this modern day and time, move the games up uh, to Thursday if they're going to have inclement weather on Friday. So that's why we're having high school football tomorrow night. And a lot of, basically about half the state has done this, maybe more. I'm I'm just basing this on numbers I think I saw either late last night or this morning. But even today, other schools have moved the games up to Thursday from Friday. This does not include tomorrow night, even though the games are being played, would normally be played on Friday if it were a beautiful day like today. uh, They're still under those capacity restrictions until 5 o'clock Friday. And I think there is a little bit of a groundswell maybe from county ADs and coaches and, and school ADs to try to get the Cooper administration to, to move that up 24 hours for high school football because the weather tomorrow is going to be splendid in a lot of areas. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So you're looking at the ability tomorrow night not to be able to attend these games. But if the games were being played Friday as they were originally scheduled or Saturday, then things would be a lot uh, easier to uh, to deal with there. So those are sort of the big numbers out of today, uh, big news update out of today. And, uh, look, it's a great thing. Uh, when Pirate Baseball returns at home, they'll be able to have uh, 1,500 fans. If Pirate Basketball is able, ever able to get back onto the floor, they have a home game scheduled late night, at least late night for me, Ben, next Thursday, a 9 o'clock tip. You might as well tip that thing off at 2 in the morning in my world. 9 o'clock? Woo! Uh, if they're able to play that, they'll be able to do it with 1,200 fans in attendance. On Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday the 7th, Pirates wrap up their uh, regular season. Right now, it's scheduled to be at home at Minji's Coliseum against Cincinnati. You could have 1,200 for that. So that's a good thing. That's, you know, you get people in. Probably would have more under normal circumstances. Okay, uh, Pirate Baseball. We'll have the series for you this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, all the games at, uh, is it Georgia Southern, where they're going this weekend? 
So uh, live from Statesboro, we'll have coverage for you. I think it's a solo mission for one uh, Corey Glore. And uh, we'll have uh, that for you. Pirates move to 7-0. and We will uh, talk about how they got there with our Pirate Report next. Ben Byram with an update still to come uh, during the course of this uh, fine radio product. And then in our next half hour, our pal Brian Mull checks in. I think we got him off the course. Let's hope he's not on the 19th hole, but uh, at least done with 18. Uh, we'll talk about what's going on with Tiger Woods and uh, also some college basketball notes. Speaking of uh, ECU basketball programming note for you, uh, we're scheduled to have Joe Dooley on tomorrow. So we'll uh, get the very latest on the likelihood that the Pirates will play beyond uh, or into next week to wrap up the regular season, at least get back on the floor before they head to the conference tournament. So Joe Dooley will be with us uh, tomorrow. Uh, that's the plan for then. Brian Mall later on today. And our Pirate Report when we return on the Patrick Johnson Show. Now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94-3, the game. It was a game that was tight, right, Ben? Pirates uh, chip away in the late, or uh, add runners in the late innings. And then uh, they blow it wide open. The big blow from Franny. And he drives one into right field, hit well. Matt's back, he's at the track, he's at the wall. He jumps up, it's gone! Thomas Francisco, a three-run blast. He snuck it just over the fence. And East Carolina leads it 6-1. to one. East Carolina knocks off Duke in a ranked battle here in the first week of the season. Home run power early. Beautifully pitching all throughout the game. And then a four-run barrage in the seventh. All right, uh, Learfield IMG College uh, with the call there. Pirates are off to the 4-0 start. It was one of those early season ranked versus ranked midweek matchups. ECU claims the victory at home over the Duke Blue Devils. This is uh, Coach Godwin talking about Thomas Francisco and the leadership that he has provided uh, this year in today's Pirate Report. Uh, Franny is one of our leaders, and he's the guy that's in the thick of things, and um, you know, he's, he's like Burley where, you know, they put a shift in, then he'll just, you know, he'll hit the ball to the left side. He got a change up and was able to get just enough of it for a three run Jack, three big two out RBIs right there after we had scored one to put us up three, one, uh, Lane Hoover with a great hit and run. And speaking of Francisco, uh, this is what he talked about was going through his head when he, uh, launched that three run shot that put the game away in the seventh cut seven. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we got that inning started with uh, the AMAC walk, and then uh, Hoover had a big hit and run there. They got us on the board, and, you know, Coach G just told me to uh, look for first pitch changeup, and luckily he threw that pitch in it. Uh, the ball snuck out. Um, but I think the biggest thing today was just, uh, you know, with, when Spivey went down unexpectedly, um, you know, Cam and Mayhew came in and just shut the door, and uh, I think that was the biggest thing uh, tonight. And Francisco added uh, his thoughts on the Pirate victory. Uh, yeah, it's a big win, but, you know, we try to treat every game, uh, you know, the same. We don't change anything up. We're really playing ourselves, and I thought we did a good job tonight. And Cliff Godwin talked about the Pirates' ability to finish the victory over the Blue Devils. Really, I, I thought that we played really good down the stretch. You know, the seventh on, I thought we played really good. I thought that we kind of played lackadaisical when we got up to nothing. I just told the offense that we can't let somebody else's energy, whether it's good or bad, let us fade. So, but really proud 
we talked about before the game, finishing games to the end, and I thought our guys finished tonight. And uh, this is uh, Cliff on the performance of Cam Colmore and then Mayhew out of the pen. The Pirate uh, pitching, by the way, has been uh, uh, pretty remarkable, but this is uh, Cliff on his uh, pitching performance from Colmore and Mayhew. Yeah, Cam and I, we just briefly spoke, and Cam Cam's a stud. You know, he's like family now, being here six years. Uh, but he, he didn't have his best stuff tonight, and, and I thought he just – he kind of weathered the storm, uh, you know, hung a breaking ball to one of the best players. He hits a double, RBI. Mayhew uh, got better as it went on. I thought the eighth and the ninth inning was as good as his first two innings, if not better, uh, really better, in my opinion. And he was good. He was dominant. It's good. I'm glad that he's on our team, an extremely competitive young man who uh, – just is not afraid, and we're glad he's on our team. And this is Coach on uh, the decision to keep Mayhew in the game late. Well, between Coach Dietrich, Coach Knight, and myself, there's a lot of conversations. But Mayhew gets by so fast he doesn't because he doesn't want to come out of the game. So he runs by us so we can't take him out of the game. Um, and he was rolling, and he looked at me like I was crazy when I said, hey, can you finish this thing? He just said, yeah, and just kept moving. So, um, And that wasn't the plan, to be honest with you. Like I said, it was not the plan. We were hoping that we probably could get to the seventh with him. If we could get through the seventh, that would be great. And then we were going to turn it over to Bridges and A.J. Wilson and Saylor and Ryder Giles and those guys. And I know Cliff wants to get those guys in, but uh, when Mayhew was uh, rolling like he was, you uh, let him uh, stay out there. And that was, uh, I think, as much a part as the uh, the seventh inning uh, as far as uh, you know, really shutting down the Devils and, and, and putting them away. Uh, Josh Moylan, uh, Homer, this is Cliff uh, talking about that uh, big blow earlier in the game. Well, look, uh, baseball's a game of failure, so uh, it definitely I'm sure it feels good to him to get that first one out of there. Uh, Josh is an unbelievable hitter. Uh, he has really not looked like himself until tonight, to be honest with you. And him and I have had a lot of conversations about some things and the way he, um, you know, this timing and, just how high his leg lift has been and stuff. And with the pitching that we have faced, it's, it's been hard on him. And um, tonight it was great to see him. You know, he got a change up up and was able to elevate it out of the yard. It was great to see. Pirates will play Duke later in the year. The thing about the Blue Devils, especially under Chris Pollard, even if they're a little shaky early in the season, which, I mean, they are now 2-2 two and two and they played a very tough schedule. I mean, think about it. They played Coastal uh, in their park down in Conway. So they, they won two out of three down there to take the series. And then played great, played ECU in Greenville for their fourth game of the year. That's a hell of a stretch for Chris Pollard's team, uh, but they will be there at the end. They have gotten better and better each year. Even in years you didn't think that they were going to be knocking on the door of Omaha, but uh, the Pirates were better than they were yesterday, and that was a big win. A uh, top twenty-five, top fifteen matchup, however you want to look at it. Uh, Pirate baseball resumes on uh, Saturday, uh, Friday. Make that six uh, fifth. No, six thirty will be the uh, first pitch. Six fifteen airtime. Uh, Patrick Johnson show will lead you in uh, up until 6.15 on that day, thereabouts, uh, here on the flagship of Pirates, 94.3 the game. Tonight we're looking at a uh, low of 46 uh, chilly degrees. Uh, tomorrow, only going to make it up to 58, but it's still going to be uh, a lovely day with lots of sunshine, 37 on Thursday, and then we're looking uh, now at a 40% chance of rain during the day Friday and a high of 51. The showers come in on Friday night. Low of 43 and a 70% chance of rain. I guess um, 72 right now in Greenville. As we mentioned, the Rose football game and a lot of Pitt County games have been moved up because of uh, weather. And not just Pitt County, games all around uh, eastern North Carolina for high school football. 
Uh, but uh, we're we're going to air this year Havelock again. Our guy uh, Trevor Donnell uh, is going to be down uh, calling the Havelock games again on ninety four one WNBU out of New Bern, and uh, I, I guess they're playing at Northeastern. TJ Long's alma mater on uh, also Freshwater's alma mater, alma mater, mater, alma mater on uh, Friday, and they have not moved the game as of yet. So that is uh, still uh, going to be on Friday night. And if they not moved it at this point, they probably aren't going to move it. But uh, we'll see. All right, Ben Byram has been slaving away over a hot keyboard. He is ready for a 94-3 The Game Sports update. Uh, Lots to talk about, Benjamin. What do you have for us here ahead of Brian Mull joining us on the show? Thanks, Patrick. Ben Byram here for your 94th of the game sports update. Great news for sports fans is Governor Roy Cooper has loosened restrictions for attendance to sporting events in the state. The governor has implemented an order that will allow 15% capacity at indoor arenas. The new order will also allow 30% capacity at any outdoor facilities. ECUAD John Gilbert released a statement moments ago saying that the university will currently work on implementing a safe plan to allow fans in attendance at their athletic facilities. He did not specify a date. He expects fans to return. Meanwhile, the Carolina Hurricanes president and general manager Don Waddle said that he will allow Caniacs in attendance at PNC Arena starting March 4th. Meanwhile, multiple local high school teams advanced in the NCHS AA playoffs. The 3A boys, 5th seeded DH Conley, defeated 12th seeded Southern Durham 50 to 47. And the 2A boys, nice seeded Marvel Central, obliterated 8th seeded Hertford County on the road 87 to 59. 13th seeded Kinston gets the dub over 4th seeded Randleman 51 to 48. 3rd seeded Washington hosted 13th seeded Wallace Rose Hill. The Pampack smacked Wallace Rose Hill 79 to 61 from the 3A girls. 2nd seeded DH Conley got the victory in overtime against North Northern Guilford. 74 to 67. In the 2A girls bracket, 9th seeded Farmer Central crushes 8th seeded Kenton 72 to 24. 16th seeded North Pitt gets the upset over top ranked first flight and in stunning fashion, as well as they win 82 to 49. From COD Sports as a whole, a new bill was introduced by Kansas Senator Jerry Morin, which would allow college athlete endorsement deals, increased medical coverage, and more. It's currently awaiting approval. The latest updates from the Tiger Woods accident over the weekend indicate that he's currently recovering from surgery in his leg. An official investigation determined that it was a single car accident and nothing more than an accident. Tiger was not intoxicated whatsoever during the crash. More on that from Brian Moe coming up. And wrapping up from the previously mentioned Carolina Hurricanes, the Canes look to redeem themselves after falling to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the previous bout. That game currently underway in Tampa Bay. Alex Nedeljkovic currently in the net for Carolina. A Ross Colton score puts the reigning champ Lightning ahead of the Canes 1-0 midway through the first period. If you're at 94th of the game sports update, I'm in Barham. Every Monday during the NFL season, get the latest on the Carolina Panthers as Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network joins the P-Man. Bring on the good stuff, universe. This and every Monday right here on 94.3 The Game. The flagship station for the ECU Pirates. The P-Man. Oh, my. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game right now. Anytime you are uh, not able to be with us in the 5 o'clock hour, you know what I think that uh, you need to do? Go to our webpage, 943thegame.com. It is the home of the greatest sports news around the nation and Pirate Nation. But you also can check out the podcast uh, every evening of the Patrick Johnson Show. 
in its full entirety. You know, there's the in vogue thing to do now is just do like the highlights of the show. We would have no podcast if we just took the highlights. But listeners actually want to hear the whole show of things, right? Uh, you also could get the Cliff Godwin uh, inside the ECU Clubhouse with Cliff Godwin podcast on Monday morning. And maybe more. Who knows? 94.3thegame.com. Ben Byram producing today's show along with uh, Ryan Winter. Uh, Patrick Johnson with you. Brian Mull on the phone with us uh, from the uh, Port City. Brian, uh, college basketball writer and uh, golf writer. Of course, covers the Masters every year. Uh, we haven't even had time today with everything else going on with uh, news around the state and in uh, our own backyard here to get into the uh, events of yesterday, the uh, frightening crash uh, that uh, just looked horrific and has uh, obviously put Tiger Woods' uh, golfing future very much in uh, in question. Brian Mall joining us. Uh, I guess you got out and played 18 today. It was gorgeous here. I have to imagine it was stunning down there. It was beautiful. I uh, just practiced a little bit. I've oh. been uh, dealing with a little bit of a uh, wrist issue, so I just chipped and chipped and putted a little bit, okay. trying to let that heal up before the season gets started in earnest. But it was beautiful. It was nice to be outside. I bet it was. Hey, um, let me ask you about uh, – Yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to really look today. Uh, I can imagine that there's not been a whole lot. The Tiger Woods camp is usually a, a pretty control the, the message – tight camp uh any any kind of fresh news as we sit here at this time uh half past uh five on uh on this wednesday um not really other than uh the statement that was released uh this morning uh mm-hmm. yeah. by tiger through his camp and social media outlets and with comments from the, one of the surgeons uh the chief surgeon there who uh you know performed a very long intensive uh operation on tiger yesterday for for several hours uh i have gathered some information from a couple of uh orthopedic surgeons one a former pga tour player who uh went into some pretty specific detail in a very long thread on twitter which was very enlightening you know, obviously not having any uh uh you know specifics to Tiger's case, but, but but having done hundreds of of procedures, um, and just kind of explaining the the potential complications, and and there are a lot, and, and Tiger has more surgeries, several more surgeries uh, in his immediate future, um, you know, within the next weeks or months or or, or what have you, and uh, a very long rehab process, uh, certainly. After that, you know, the, the advantages that he has is that he's in terrific shape. Um, you know, he's a, he's a professional athlete. Uh, I've heard, actually heard a couple people call into a national show who had had a similar procedure uh, to their leg mm-hmm. recently and, mm-hmm. and kind of detail there what their rehab uh, was like. And, um, you know, he's looking at several surgeries before any rehab begins and then months. And then, you know, let's just hope. Uh, certainly at risk of infection. Um, let's just hope he's back up and, and walking around uh, right, sooner, right. sooner sooner, as possible. You know, there's this uh, parallel that was drawn to the Ben, ben Hogan situation uh, of many, many years ago. And, uh, I mean, this, this is not as horrific as that was. This is not as 
this is nowhere comparable. Uh, what I guess would that that I kind of question this, my mind kind of goes to some of these places sometimes. Is you know he was just kind of getting through into into the very initial, and as he put it on CBS Sunday with Jim Nance, mundane part of the back rehab. So in other words, he just had another back surgery, his fifth here recently. Yeah, two days before Christmas. And I mean, so we're not even fifth two, one. Yeah, we're not even two months removed from that. So that 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 frightens me to a degree because not only are you now dealing with lower body situation, but I mean you're you're dealing with a pretty freshly repaired back in some capacity too. Which there's a reason after any surgery you have to to take it easy for a while. And you know I know it's been nearly a couple months, but still. Yeah, he has a long uphill climb, and um, you know is going to be in a bed for for quite some time. I mean, just those are the facts, and that uh, probably is not ideal for his back. You know, it would probably be better for him to be, uh, you know, doing some light movement for that. And based on everything I've gathered today from experts and doctors and folks that have weighed in, and uh, yeah, I mean, it certainly just compounds anything and um you know just as as a fan of golf and what he's d- done for the sport over the last 25 years and a parent and, and all that you know i just hope that he can I, I couldn't care less honestly if he plays golf again um we've we've enjoyed so much all of us uh, even fan or no fan he's brought so much to the sport whether you pulled for him or his rival or whomever and you know, just but seeing him last, you know, the last time we saw him on a golf course was with his son, Charlie, his father's son, mm-hmm. you know, down there in Florida a couple weeks before Christmas and and, and the joy and the enjoyment that uh, that he had. And and uh, one of the shows I was listening to, some of the parents who, whose children compete against Charlie and, and some of the junior events down in Florida were just talking about their various interactions with Tiger at those tournaments and how relaxed he is because basically everybody leaves him alone. You know, they're, everybody's there for their own child and right. um, kind of just doing their own thing. And uh, just his interaction with, with the other kids and things of that nature. And, you know, I hope that, I hope that sooner than later he he's back at least, you know, being able to enjoy that. We got Brian Mole with us here. Uh, you know, certainly uh, I don't think we're going to hear anything really big and official tomorrow. I, I think maybe even more Friday from the woods camp. That's just, you know, how they operate, but they can take as much time as they want to say whatever they want, uh, whenever. And I think everybody would understand and be fine with it. Let me ask you this, Brian, um, before we kind of turn our attention to other things, uh, primarily hoops. Uh, when you look at the reaction from his contemporaries who are getting ready for uh, an event this week, uh, you know, playing practice rounds, pro-am rounds, or, or, or what have you yesterday, uh, what has that been like, you know, and, and, I saw some of those comments last night, but there's some guys who I think it was just so surreal to watch them without, at the time, a lot of information uh, making comments. And, and it, it's interesting how you and I have talked a little bit about this, how he is really uh, this generation that grew up that's playing now. A lot of these young stars that played because they idolized him. He's a contemporary of theirs now and, and is someone that is like a an older brother figure or kind of an, an uncle figure in a lot of ways. There's no doubt about it, and uh, and especially in uh, the last few years since he's come back and and been a more regular member of the tour and just uh, kind of uh, softened. You know, Tiger always makes a good point about how when he came on tour in 1996 as a 20-year-old kid, he he 
was the youngest by far. He didn't have any contemporaries. I mean, back then, uh, a, a rookie on tour, the average age was probably closer to the late 20s than the early 20s. It was just a different era in golf. So he, he kind of felt like a lone wolf, and the guys that he were beating up, he was beating up on on a weekly basis were 30, 35 years old. And so, you know, now he's in a much different position with that. But basically, if you look at it, anyone who's on the tour right now and, and active and competing for tournaments was probably born 1980 or later, you know, which would make them 40 years old or younger. And he won the Masters by 12 shots in 1997. And I've heard so so many, whether they were 13 years old or 7 years old or 15 years old, when that occurred, I've heard so many players uh, just say that was the moment when, you know, I thought golf was cool or I wanted to be a golfer or that's the first golf tournament that I remember or that's, the you know, what motivated me to pursue it on my own. I mean, just the impact he has had on the entire tour is uh, phenomenal, not to mention, uh, you know, when he when he turned pro, the average first place prize was right around three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand, and now it's uh, well over a million dollars, and that's all one hundred percent directly uh, yeah. related to the way that he transcended the sport and the, and the number of uh, you know people that he brought to the game who had never never watched or played the game before. Yeah, but I want to switch uh, gears here. Brian Mole with us uh, covers golf, also covers a lot of college basketball. He's been part of uh, the Joe Lenardi uh, team the last uh, several years and uh, other outlets uh, that uh, he is uh, he's written for. Let me ask you a little bit about, uh, you know, where we are. We got the news uh, late Monday, uh, right after the radio show, oddly enough, that, uh, and we're going to have Joe Dooley on tomorrow, that uh, there's not going to be a game for ECU at Tulsa this weekend. Uh, hopefully they can get back and play UCF next Thursday night. Fans will be allowed in now in some way, so I think that'll be good, and uh, maybe wrap up the season at home against Cincinnati the following Sunday. Um, but then you got to head out to the conference tournament, and we'll get a little, maybe a little more guidance on this from Joe tomorrow. But you know, for the Pirates, what a tough way to end the season, and it, it's been a pretty good season. It, it has, and it started out with such promise. I think everyone uh, who's followed the program could could see the growth early in the season. Uh, against a, a non-conference schedule and, and some nice wins at Charlotte and over what's turned out to be a very good James Madison team. And, you know, certainly the, conf- the conference competition is stiffer, but just when you look at all the obstacles they've had to overcome within the conference schedule, um, you know, Joe being out for a while, the, the pauses, it's just hard to evaluate. Any, I mean, this is a past year, I, I feel like. I mean, certainly somebody's going to cut the nets, nets down in Indianapolis and win the national championship, and, and programs are going to win conference championships in the next couple of weeks, and all that's going to feel like it always does, and Final Fours, and you know, hats off to all of them who have, who have been able to overcome. But I think for most programs in college basketball that have been affected by this and, and have these pauses and mispractices and time, you know, long periods of time without their coach, yeah, I just don't think you can you can fairly evaluate the season. To be honest with you, um, there's just no way that you can expect a team that's been away from basketball as long as East Carolina has been this year to come back in the final week and then be ready to to compete in yeah. a conference tournament in, in in the American. Now, now it could happen certainly, and sure. you know we've sure. seen things happen. But this is just such an odd year. I mean, generally you would at least be building some kind of momentum, even if it wasn't showing up in your results per se. Uh, but when you're not playing at all, it's just it's just hard to keep restarting through the course of a season. 
Hey, great to catch up with you. Uh, I appreciate your time uh, and, uh, you know, some, some touchy subjects, but you always handle them uh, like an ace and a true pro. And uh, I'll uh, I'll catch up with you soon. We'll, uh, we'll, we don't talk to you next week because we're kind of all over the place next week with the schedule, but uh, we'll talk to you soon one way or the other. Always a pleasure, Patrick. Thanks, and right. uh, have a great weekend. Yep, there he goes, our guy Brian Mull. Okay, uh, quick timeout. Uh, ben, can you – I guess they're doing like chain Mexican restaurants, you know, like uh, fast food or like a, I don't know if Moe's is necessarily considered a fast food or Qdobo, but I mean like the, the sort of, uh, can you guess North Carolina's favorite taco from one of those establishments? Hold on. Hold on to it. Okay. All right. We'll tell you who won plus some other things, including here from Cam Newton. Next. Most popular taco by state, Ben Byram. North Carolina is what? But it's got to be something from Taco Bell. It's Taco Bell. Okay. Um, so I guess this is saying your most famous. Well, it's just saying most popular taco. So I uh, guess wherever you would go, wh- what's like your fast foodie go-to? Oh, me and Ryan were thinking about it. He was saying like Doritos Locos Taco. Oh, he liked the specific Yeah, taco. he thought it was specific. I thought so, too. Well, Taco Bell is the most popular in, like, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Virginia, West Virginia. The way I think about it, I can't think of any other, like, fast food Mexican restaurant. Is, like, Moe's, because Moe's is popular in Indiana. Oh, that counts? They've got it on this list. Oh, okay. Uh, Del Taco, which I think is mainly out west. That's like a West Coast thing, yeah. Uh, Polo Loco, which is only in Texas, popular there. Uh, The Del Tacos are also down in uh, Florida. Uh, Taco John's? Anybody ever been to a Taco John's? Never heard of Taco John's. Uh, Qdobo in, uh, Ohio and Wisconsin. That's also new to me. I've I've been to Qdobo. Qdobo's not bad, actually. I don't think there's one around here. Chipotle. Chipotle? Chipotle. Don't eat there, so I don't know. But, uh, they are, (laughs) uh, in, uh, North Dakota, it looks like. That's the only place. Oh, no, North Dakota and Wyoming is where, uh, Chipotle shows up. Come on, now. It's a word. It's not a name. I know, I know. Ben. I, I, I generally, I always, I must get the wrong thing when I go to eat at a at any like a fast food Mexican, mm-hmm. sta- or a Mexican restaurant. I just, I never like. But if you make it at home, I'm all about it. Oh yeah, but I'm just, I don't do well when it comes to. I'm all, and then I have like big food envy of like what the other people might order. Uh, okay, okay. Like, because I feel like mine always looks like. Uh, this like they took scraps and put it on a plate. Now are we talking it. fast food or are we just talking Mexican anything, restaurants? Anything I can't order. I just can't, anything that's a Mexican food establishment. I can't order food correctly. Well, I remember being as like as a kid, like just getting a taco at a Mexican restaurant and being jealous because someone gets a fajita and it's got the sizzling plate yeah, that's and what the I little mean. thing. And it's like yeah. I wanted that. I don't want that. I always get the wrong thing. Yeah. Uh, something more impressive out there. Cam Newton says there's not 32 other quarterbacks better than me in the NFL. Let's Given- here we go. Play it. Given the hand that I was dealt, bro, like going into last year, is he healthy? I just want to finish healthy. Now it's it's like it's like if I'm able to learn his system, like come on, bro, I can't go out like that. My 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 pride won't even allow me to do that. And you could talk about this, you could talk about that, you could talk about whatever. Listen, bro, there's not 32 guys better than me. Mm. Put it like that. So if you're asking me, you at, like, top, bro, top, top, top. I, I'm not 32. <laughs> like, real talk. Like, I'm like, when you when you put it like that, bro, I'm not the 32 worst. Like, put, come on, man. What was that? 
I don't know the we got actually got that from our friends at Fox Sports the Gambler. They put the cut up for us. Or or put the cut up and that's where we got it's, it's like a podcast okay, with so former players podcast, yeah. or something. It's I think it's Chad Do you Johnson. agree with him? I, I do agree. I, I think Cam is right now is not a very good quarterback. I don't think he's Are there thirty two other quarterbacks who are better? No, I don't think so. I think he's very low on the totem pole, but I don't think there's thirty two quarterbacks better. Okay. Um boy, my really sad for the uh, South Central kids. I mean, here they are. Chris Cherry does a fabulous job with their basketball team. And they had a COVID deal, and so they had to forfeit. Because everybody was wondering, what happens if COVID? Well, pretty much what the, the High School Athletic Association, they're playing at Savage. You don't advance if you don't uh, play. They're going to forfeit the game. So they're no longer in the uh, in the running. Congratulations to, uh, I tell you, if you want to, uh, somebody really ticked off uh, the Farmville Central boys and girls teams, didn't they? They had to travel in the first round. They had the ninth seed for some reason. That well, was they, it's because they were drawn out yeah. of the hat. All the conference champs were drawn out of a hat, and they drew in both the boys and girls number. And what did they do? They went on the road in both instances and just blew the doors off their opponents on their home floor. Pretty remarkable Burford thing. County, I believe, was undefeated, too. No, so the Burford just... County was good. That was an impressive. <laughs> well, look, here's what's even uh, even more impressive. Um, the... Uh, the uh, uh, oh, I don't even know what I was going to say. Today, Junior, come oh, on now. Uh, South Granville is who uh, Farmville's playing next, and that was like a fantastic Bobby regional Pettiford. final. Yeah, Bobby Pettiford, fantastic regional final last year that went to overtime at Minji. I was there. You and you and McGee were there, weren't yep. you? Yeah. Uh, but uh, congratulations to our guy Rob Maloney at uh, Conley. Also, uh, their girls' basketball team uh, advances through. North Pitts girls advance through. They went on the road and beat the number one seed out all the way at the Outer Banks. So they're still alive and uh, kicking, and uh, congratulations uh, to them. Uh, all of them advancing. They'll all play tomorrow night. Speaking of tomorrow night, playoffs. high school football. Yes, the playoffs continue. Uh, high school football season kicks off uh, tomorrow night. All the games are practically moved to Thursday. And we'll have Rose football against Newburn. Boy, that's a hell of a way to start. Two blood rivals starting the season. Six o'clock tomorrow. Croft Massey and the legendary Ronald Vincent, RV, will bring you the call of uh, Rose football this year. Happy for Croft. He's fired up. And gl- good to have RV back on the broadcast. A wonderful job by Ryan Winter and Ben Byram today. Thanks to Brian Mull for his uh, contributions. And we will uh, see you tomorrow for a special lead-in to the football season edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Joe Dooley will be with us, scheduled to be. And uh, I think Chris Hughes will talk some high school football with him. Have a great Wednesday evening.